Welcome to a special live stream of the Your Next Mission podcast celebrating Black History Month. Proudly brought to you by Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. Now here's your host, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilly. Hello out there, veterans and families and Welcome to season two of Your Next Mission, a program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack L. Tilly. I always love saying that. 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and your host for today's show. Uh, today, we're coming to you live from, uh, I always want to say that too, from live from the Cypher Studios in San Diego, California. Over the next hour and a half, we'll be talking with uh, some brothers in arms celebrating Black History Month. Uh, today is a is a very special occasion. Uh, you know, I, I want to tell you a little story about me before we even start to talking about Black History Month. But uh, years ago, I was a I was a division sergeant major in First Armored Division. I remember walking into a dining facility and and seeing a young African American uh, female, and and I thought that her hair was too long. And so I uh, went up to her and I said, "Hey, look, uh, Sergeant, you need to to get a haircut." She said. Uh, Sergeant Major, I'm gonna, I'll take it out tomorrow. And I said, what? Uh, what do you mean take it out tomorrow? I said, sit down and talk to me. And she started talking to me about all sorts of stuff, about the fact that she didn't wash her hair every day because her hair was too brittle and and uh, just a bunch of stuff that, uh, that I probably should have known as a leader. And I think all of us need to understand differences of people in our country. That's why, to me, Black History Month is important. It's not just important to me, it's important to our country. We're all Americans and we all need to learn about each other. During this first segment, we'll be talking to Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, retired Al McMichael, and Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, retired doctor. He's probably too smart for me to talk to Dr. <laughs> Vince Patton. And then in the second segment, I'm thrilled to have Sergeant Major Retired Will Williams and Sergeant Major Retired Todd Hunter join me. Now I'm excited to introduce some really some great friends of mine. They're going to harass me all the way through the show. I know that. The, the 14th Sergeant Major Marine Corps, Sergeant Major Marine Corps Retired, and my friend Al McMichael, and the 8th Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, Dr. I hate saying that, but Dr. Vince Patton. <laughs> I'm already laughing and we didn't start doing anything. Hey, welcome to the show. We're behaving ourselves, you know. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad to have you guys on the show today. Uh, but before we get started, I, I think it's important for the audience to, to know about you. I want to lay some ground rules for you two real quick here. First of all, I'm the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. You're the Sergeant Major of the... Oh, wait a minute, I'm the Sergeant Major of the Army. Wait a minute, how's the Sergeant Major of the Army? <laughs> And, and so, and, and so the is the show for today. <laughs> <laughs> but but just to let you know, I'm going to call you. Uh, I'm going to call you Al and Vince because uh, we've known each other for a long time, and and we have a a great relationship. I tried to figure out the other day how many years we've known each other. I think it's probably over 25 years. And and you guys, you guys mean a lot to me, and you're uh, you're good friends. And I think a lot of uh, both of you. But before we get started, I think it'd be 
we have to stop laughing for just a little while, but I think it's important for uh, the audience to, to know a little bit about you. Uh, I think that's really important because there's a lot of people on here that know about the military, but they don't know about the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps and the Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard. So, Al, we're going to start with you. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Jack. And and uh, it is an honor to be in your presence. But uh, I'm, I'm just a plain, everyday guy. Um, I... Uh, Left my hometown in in the uh, in parts of Arkansas and joined the United States Marine Corps, and uh, it was a it was a fit. It fit like a glove, and I found myself staying in the Marine Corps for three hundred thirty six and a half years, and uh, had the privilege and the pleasure to serve in every component of the Marine Corps, from the infantry to aviation to commu uh, communications to uh, logistics into special ops on to uh, executive level of the Marine Corps. Um, it, it wasn't very difficult to adjust to being in the Marine Corps because it was much like the routine at home. You did what you were told, when you were told, how you were told. And uh, so it was very easy to adapt. Uh, I retired from the Marine Corps, as I said, after 36 and a half years consecutively, unlike some people, they come in, get out, and then come in. I knew the Marine Corps was where I needed to be, and I stayed there until I couldn't stay any longer. But I got out of the Marine Corps in November of, of 2006, and I found myself uh, doing uh, doing things that uh, was uh, very important to me, and that was working with the with the children of uh of this great nation and uh watching them develop and find themselves a path to being the replacement of people like the sma uh sergeant major telly or dr Patton, it was very important to me to share that with them and have them understand no matter where you serve your country whether it's in uniform education or, or politics or, or just being a a, a teacher or professor try to find something that can make you a, a worthy to those that will follow. And that's what I've found myself finding enjoyment in every day of my life since I've retired from the United States Marine Corps. Al, Al before you stop there, could you tell us, I know you've been doing a lot of stuff up in uh, up in New York with young kids. You've been doing that for, geez, I don't know how many years. Could you tell the audience what you've been doing up there in Harlem? Well, I know you're helping. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's pretty simple, Jake. Uh, I went into New York, into the schools in Harlem and, and uh course in, in uh, other places around the Bronx and working with young people, helping them understand their NFL, their, uh, their NBA that they carried, which was their natural born ability. And to get them to realize that everybody tells you to pull yourself up by the bootstrap, but sometimes somebody has to show you a pair of boots to, to put on your feet to pull yourself up. And That's to watch right. these young people in Harlem and in, uh, at Rice High School and some other schools that I work with uh, go from 20 to 30% dropout to 100% graduates and 80% of them go on to college and the other 20 go into the union. And then they come back and, and give something back to the communities, uh, to the young children that they that hadn't even got to school yet. Uh, working with an organization called Playworks, uh, I think we have about 900,000 kids around the United States in 19,000 schools and teaches them how to take care of one another, more the concept of the military. You know, you don't leave anyone behind. You you work to take care of your fellow uh, service member or, or soldier or Marine or Coastie, whoever you, you're with. And those are the things that became very enjoyable to me to watch these young people grow and develop into good citizens and give something back to the community without their hands out 
they gave us a leg up for a great future. Yeah, I always liked the fact, and I was, was going to throw it in there real quick, but you didn't say it. I knew you were going to say it. Good citizens. It's about a country. It's about development. It's about helping the young kids, uh, no matter where they're at, in Harlem, New York, Washington, wherever. Uh, it's about developing a bench for us, you know, because it won't be here forever. I want to stay here forever, but but we won't be here forever. Vince, how about yourself? Take about 10 seconds and tell us about it. No, go, go oh, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, SMA, as we always call you. Uh, well, I call you something else, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't say that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for having uh, Al and I on here. And yes, we've uh, we've been around together for well over twenty plus years. As a matter of fact, uh, Jack, it, it was nineteen ninety seven when you and I first met. Yeah. Uh, when I was in Atlantic Area Command uh, at the time, and you were down in uh, at McDill at the Central Command. That was so. We've got twenty five years of. Uh, of me picking on you. So it, it, it's oh, great. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, uh, you know, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, proud to, to call myself a, a Motown lover of all sorts. Uh, no, uh, I'm not going to ask you to sing, but go ahead. I, I could do it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I, I've got a very interesting uh, background in the sense of that uh, it was one mistake that turned out to be the greatest adventure of my life. And that was, uh, I was on my way to join the Navy uh, and I walked into the wrong recruiting office. Back then the Coast Guard uniform was the same as the Navy uniform. And uh, I was too embarrassed to turn around and walk out. Uh, so I joined the Coast Guard and that, <laughs> <laughs> that's a true story. I mean, there's a little bit more that goes into that and so forth, but the, but the true part of that is that the, the Coast Guard was not anywhere in my vocabulary until I walked into the wrong recruiting office on November 22nd, 1971. So uh, for me, it's it's been a, a, a great, wonderful 30-year career. Uh, two weeks into the Coast Guard, I made this proclamation in boot camp that after seeing the picture of the Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, that uh, I envisioned myself that one day I'm going to be him, that my picture would be hanging up in that particular manner. And uh, people laughed at me, thought uh, that, you know, that I was uh, uh, being uh, funny about it. But I was dead truth about it. And I set a goal uh, and I know it's very hard for anybody to become the senior ranking enlisted person of each and every service. But uh, but I will say that it took an awful lot of people who believed in me that stood behind me that helped to make uh, my dream, my goal come true. After the Coast Guard, uh, when I retired, I, uh, I, I went off to uh, Divinity School. Uh, where I earned uh, another degree, like I didn't have enough degrees going in my life, uh, to uh, in divinity school. I, I'm, a, I'm a trained community services uh, chaplain, uh, and I do uh, a lot of work in the community in that area. I'm also on the uh, the board for the uh, Naval Sea Cadet Corps program, like Al, very much involved in working with young people and been very, very much involved with doing that. And I'm involved with uh, building our National Coast Guard Museum, which will be uh, in New London, Connecticut. We start our groundbreaking uh, this summer. So uh, keeping busy and, of course, uh, working with New Day USA, as uh, as we all do, and very involved with, with, uh, with, with all of my brothers since uh, we served on active duty together. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you told those two stories because as you was talking, I was thinking about I was thinking about all the things you told me. It was a picture on a wall, wasn't it? And, and uh, when you was in basic training, 
Is that what yep. it was? That's what and it was. Sure wall says, hey, one day, and they they thought you was all going to be arrogant about that, didn't they? They did. They, yeah, a lot of people did. In fact, in, in boot camp, they they made fun of me. You know, in fact, they started calling me Master Chief, <laughs> and uh, which which was which was funny because 26 years later, when I became Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, I, I I rounded up as many people who were who were still on active duty at that time, says, now you can really call me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what's really funny is, is, uh, is I, as you're both talking, I'm, I'm thinking about people that ought to have dreams. And, and no matter what you dream and what you want to do, don't let anything stop you. Don't let That's anything slow you down. I always talk about the fact that we live in a circle. If you, if you can't get out of the circle and you can't take a step forward in life, uh, you're, you know, you're just, uh, I, I don't know. Too many people stay in the same spot forever, I guess. Well, you know, Jack, the key thing out of this is is about imagination. Yeah. Uh, you know, it all started with me uh, even coming in the Coast Guard was imagination. And, and the fact that I, I saw myself uh, doing something that I thought was bigger than me. And, and I wasn't going to let anybody tell me that I couldn't do it. And yeah. I kept that imagination going to turn it into a dream, that turn it into a goal, turn it into a reality. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing, and, and, and we'll get off to the questions here in just a second, is is the other thing is uh, all three of us uh, enjoy just helping people and, and making people successful. I mean, in my life, all I ever want to do is uh, do the best job I could and help the people around me do the best job I could. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's about life. It's about believing. It's about doing everything you could do each and every day to help someone out. Al, is, uh, I got a couple of questions here for you. And Al, as the, as the first black Marine to hold the position of the uh, Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, I'm sure Black History Month has a special meaning to you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, about the history of the Black History Month and, and how really how it shaped your life? Well, thank you, Jack. That's a great question. However, I think I have to kind of break it down into two phases. When I think about first uh, what Black History Month means, I have to kind of go back so I can catch up to where I am today. And that would take me back to about 1926. Uh, uh, when a great uh, oratorial uh, poet writer uh, by the name of Carter G. Woodson decided that we have to be able to tell the struggle of those that have been enslaved that are now trying to go to empowerment. And we can't reach empowerment if we don't know where we've come from. Uh, Black History Month is not about being Black. It is about being completely uh, fitting for the, the country that you've uh, major achievements, major advancements, but more importantly, given your contributions. So when I think about Black History Month, I think about not only the, the struggles that, that has uh, plagued us, but also the advancements and the opportunities that have uh, opened the doors uh, that has allowed us to enter places. You know, uh, Black History Month took me from a place that I was no longer thinking about George Washington. I could think about George Washington Carver. I could think about Booker T. Washington. I didn't have to think about uh, Abraham Lincoln singly. I could think about Frederick Douglass. Uh, so it just went on from, from one point to another. I could think about the things that Dr. King provided for us. I could think about that we, we spent 400 plus years enslaved, but we had eight years of a black president. Uh, so if we don't tell the complete story and open it up uh, it, and we use it as Black History Month, but it really started with a week of Negro History Month and it took 
two presidents to bring us to the focus of, of focusing on uh, observing the achievements and contributions of African-Americans in this country. Uh, Gerald Ford and, and President Carter uh, made that happen. That took us from a, a one week of Negro history to uh, a month of black history. But in all, uh, Jack, black history is just a part of American history. And if you're gonna be honest and true to the country that we fought for and lived for and died for and bled for, uh, a grateful nation should be able to tell a great story. And the great story is the achievements and accomplishments of all Americans. You know, so for me, uh, it did nothing for me as a black person because I don't focus on being a black person. I, I focus on being a good person. And if you see me as black, you may be missing some of the things that I, I can bring to the table. If you see me as someone that has struggled throughout life and not the person that is willing to achieve the things that's put before them, you'll miss a lot of what I bring to the table. So uh, it shaped my life to make me understand that I went from uh, a, a forefather of enslaved to a person of grandchildren that is empowered and very proud of that. Yeah. You, you know, you said a lot of great things right there. And, and I think uh, one is we're all Americans and we all have little differences and stuff. And I, as you was talking, I was thinking about when I was in war, I never asked the people to my right or left, you know, what color is the guy on my right? What color is the guy on my left? I don't give a shit. You know, I care about uh, who's my brother in arms. And uh, it means a lot to me. And I think sometimes we we miss the focus of really what it is. In fact, I, I've told a lot of people on Black History Month, it's people that look like me ought to be speaking, uh, ought to be telling the story about uh, Black History Month. And I think that's important for us to uh, each and every day to learn the differences of people. It's uh, we're all just I said it a minute ago. We're all Americans. We all live in this country. We all want to make it a, a better country. Hey, Vince, uh, now this is uh, the same thing being the first I didn't know that first black master chief petty officer of the Coast Guard. Oh, uh, I, I, you must hold a, a special meaning to you. Can, can you tell us the uh, tell us how Black History Month has uh, shaped your life? You know, as it just like Al, I mean, does it change your life a little bit? Well, you know, I think the answer is pretty much very much equal to what Al has said. And, you know, he and I are just a few short years apart, but uh, but we grew up in at least in an environment where. Uh, when we were going to school that, you know, uh, Black History or Negro History Week, as it was at the time, was, was, uh, was, was, was just sort of like dipping your toe in the water to learn about other things that, that people of my culture, there was an awful lot of. And then as it began to grow more, <coughs> I was not the only person that began to learn more about my ancestors or, or, or my heritage, but other people are learning about that because that is part of American history. And I think the other, the other important part of this is, is that I like to use this term about diversity of thought. And this is how Black History Month means so much to me about that diversity of thought, that opportunity to be able to look at, although there are differences in how we may look, there are differences in how we may think too, but having to be able to attack those differences at all different angles and so forth helps us to better understand one another and helps us to be a much better country. You know, the other part is, is that uh, I never wanted to become the first black master chief of the Coast Guard. I wanted to become the master chief petty officer of the Coast Guard. 
Uh, it was just that simple. It, it, it was not a question of that I wanted to be the first of. I wanted to be that particular position because of what I saw and what that job was and how I felt that I could be a contributor just like anybody else. So I wanted the opportunity like everybody else to have. And, you know, there were some struggles and challenges to get there, but I always made it very clear that uh, it's not about wanting to become the first. I want to become that position. Yeah. You know, that's uh that's the right way to look at stuff. I think sometimes some, I, if I, if I don't, you know, I don't know. We probably would never do that, but I, I think sometimes we, we have a tendency to say the first, whatever, the first, whatever. And, and I think you just hit it right on the head. I, I'm the first, whatever. I don't need, you don't have to put nothing to it. You don't have to put a title to it or a color to it. I, I was the best person for that position. Uh, it, it, just, this is a, another question for both you and Al. If, if there's something you to look back on, uh, in your life is is uh, is helping people in either in the military or or whatever. Is there something that you you wish you did a little bit differently in the military, being the the first uh, of your of this your service, senior NCOs of your service? Is, is there something you look back you wish you would have did when you was in the in the Marine Corps, or the Coast Guard? Something a little bit as far as Black History Month and changing or educating people. Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Vince may have a different opinion, but. There's very little I'd look back on other than help people understand the very thing that Vince spoke of that uh, I just didn't know how to answer the questions. How did it feel to be the first black sergeant major of the Marine Corps? I mean, I didn't know what part of the body I was supposed to touch to get that feeling because <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I was already feeling uh, really great that as Vince said, of being the sergeant major of the Marine Corps. So yeah. why would you want me to focus on being the sergeant major of the minority when I'm already the Sergeant Major of the majority. I've yeah. got the whole Marine Corps, so why am I gonna focus on one little piece? It wasn't about the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps for the Marine Corps and all the men and women that served the Marine Corps, the sailors, the civilians, the whole work. So it, it just, I, I look back, if I could have made that message clear to everyone that this is not about me, this is not about, as Jack, you said so so eloquently, it's not about being the first. It's about why am I the last to get the step up? I should have been up there with the first or second Sergeant Major Marine Corps, not me, but there's plenty of quality blacks, uh, Marines that could have been in those positions. So we have some, we have some road to clear and how we think of it, you know, it's kind of reminds me of when people would come up to me and say, oh, aren't you proud that Obama is the, uh, the president of the United States? Why should I be proud of Obama when I had 43 other presidents that I, so you're telling me I can't be proud of everybody? Yeah. So don't belittle me by trying to pigeonhole me. Let me be one of, of all of us, not one of some of us. Yeah, I think that's the way people ought to think. I, I mean, uh, I, every time I listen to the news at Olympics or whatever, it's the first of whether it's first one. And, and I, I simply say, why don't you just say it's the first, it's an American and let them do it. So that you got anything to add to that? Bro? Well, you know, uh, Al, you, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, I, yeah. I certainly have the same opinion of sorts and that, you know, and it was a challenge for me because I was asked that question many times, including day one, when I was selected, Oh, what's it like to be uh, the first black African, the first black master chief petty officer of the Coast Guard. And I, I said, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather take it in a, a whole different direction. What's it like to be the first person who two weeks into the Coast Guard said he wanted to become Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard. 
And 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 let's let's go from there because what comes out of that and and the other part to your question ask uh, Jack about uh, what else would I have done more? It's all about uh, uh, how other people help you along the way. And I I will never forget that I didn't get to where I am by myself. There was lots and lots of other people along the way. I always like to use this old African proverb uh, phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. And I had a great village of, of all people. It wasn't just, I didn't just have black mentors. I had white mentors. I had men. I had women. I had all kinds of people that helped me along the way. And so what I always try to uh, reconstruct the answer to that question about uh, being the first black is more importantly is being uh, the first who began to start putting a vision together and start working it. And it's something that we all can do. And I think that's the best way to answer that. Last question. I'll get on to something else. Do people treat you any differently? Uh, when you got those positions, Al, do you think when you got to be the the first black sergeant major of the Marine Corps, do you think people treated you any differently, or are they treated the same? Uh, same with you, Al. Uh, any, I mean, was there any anything that you people shied away from me, or they cuddle up to you, or whatever? I don't know if you can hear me, Jack, but I can't hear you anymore. Oh, you can't hear me. You can't hear what I'm saying, Vince. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, Vince. Did you think people treated you any differently when uh, you got selected as the uh, first black Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard? I'd like to think that they didn't, but they did. And and I think part of that is is that uh, uh, people began to be so fixed on the whole idea that I was the first. And, and I kept trying to diffuse that answer with, you know, don't concentrate on me being the first. You know, concentrate on, on me being in this position and how awesome this particular position is all about. You know, I, again, I would like to say I, I, I wish that I wasn't treated uh, differently, but I was, and and but but not in a negative way. I think I think it was just a question of, you know, people feeling uh, because this is the you know it it, it truly is a uh, a historical type event of me being selected yeah. in a position, and and I began to understand that as well. So once I began to understand that, I began to be able to say, okay, let's use that question uh, more to the context of how this is good for everybody. And this is how Black History Month is so important because Black History Month information is good for everybody. Just like my story of how I got to be to where I am is good for everybody. So yeah. I always took that answer and, and try to diffuse it by by and being more inclusive to everyone else. Absolutely. Al, can you hear us now? Yes, I can, Jack. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'll just same question. Did people treat you any differently when you uh, became the first Black uh, Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps? Uh, did they address you any differently or whatever? Go ahead. Yeah, they. they Maybe that's a bad question. I don't. I don't know. Go ahead. No, they treated they treated me just like the toilet seat that I am. You know. They, <laughs> you know. They. I mean, it was it was kind of weird, Jack. You know, you stand before an audience and you you deliver uh, the message of of your leader, the commandant of the Marine Corps, and people would come over over to you and say, "Wow, you really spoke well. I didn't know you could speak that that well." Oh, that's what I supposed to speak. I, you know, I went to the same schools you went to. Well, maybe, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, black Marines would come up to you and say, uh, I, I got out of the Marine Corps because I wanted to be the first black Sergeant Major. Really? Is that really the selfless duty to the call of duty? Is that what, is that what this is all about? 
you you haven't even made staff sergeant need six and you got out of Marine Corps because so you wanted the Marine Corps to be held into a quagmire of stagnation for another 15 years waiting on you to just compete. Nobody guaranteed that you're gonna get selected. So it's yeah. kind of idiotic things that uh, uh, people would say, oh, well, you know, he got selected because it's a political thing. They just needed to finally have a black in that position. That wasn't the case. You know, my record stands for itself and the people I competed against for the position stand for itself. We know how that, how the, the, the cards turn over. You know, you can't be groomed for the job. You have to perform for the job. You know, I got to tell you a real quick story with, and we can make a couple of announcements here real quick. But when I was, I went to sit on a promotion board, I'm sure you had too. And I remember when I was on the promotion board, there was always a myth that uh, if you was a minority, that uh, you got, uh, you know, a, a better chance of being promoted than anybody else. And the real answer to that was, that's not true. Uh, you was promoted based on your records, based on your performance. And so I was always, I'd go out and talk to people and say, yeah, there's, there's a percentage there. And I said, there ain't no percentage. People are promoted on what they've done and what they, you know, what they, uh, what their accomplishments are in the military. Hey, we're talking to uh, Sergeant Major Marine Corps, retired Al McMichael and Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, retired Dr. Vince Patton. I always love saying that. <laughs> and you're watching your next mission podcast live with me, your host, Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. Hello. And uh, if if you like this, if you like this, and if you like this and you want to reach out to me or or you want to call me, you can call me at 844-424-1134 or send me an email at smatilly at yournextmission.org. Or you can leave me a comment. I always say this too. You can leave me a comment. Hopefully it's a good comment on social media channels. Uh, you're watching and get right. And I certainly, I will get right back to you. Oh, I was going to read down that number. <laughs> also, also, if you're enjoying this live broadcast on YouTube, please like us and hit the subscribe button. Now, this is something I never wanted to do, but for the next 20 subscribers, we have a special Your Next Mission t-shirt. So, Vince, Al, if you subscribe early, you can get you a t-shirt. Please leave a comment. But I'm already a like. subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's pick it up where we left off. Uh, Al, at... Uh, First of all, let me say, uh, I just enjoy talking to you guys. There's no question about that. And I enjoy the history and I, and I enjoy the camaraderie. You guys have uh, did a lot and, and do a lot each and every day. And I, I, again, I just appreciate what you're doing. Al, it, uh, it took some time before the Marine Corps was integrated racially. Can you tell us a little bit about the history and, and how it is today? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I can tell you that, Jack. I don't really like all the parts of it, uh, you know, the it's, you know, we became a Marine Corps in November 10th, 1775. And uh, we didn't open the doors to black Marines until 1942. And that's, that's because uh, we were forbidden, absolutely forbidden to have black Marines in, in the Marine Corps. Matter of fact, the Commandant of the Marine Corps at the time, when asked if he would take 5,000 white Marines or 250,000 black Marines, which would he choose? And he said, Without question, I take the five five thousand white Marines because uh, bringing bringing African Americans into the Marine Corps wouldn't wouldn't uh, stand the test of what the Marine Corps represents. We broke that barrier down, and uh, the first Marines came in. They were called the Montfort Point Marines, 
And the Montfort Port Marines was awarded the Congressional Gold Medal by President uh, Obama in, uh, to signify their contributions to the armed forces and to uh, the nation. Unfortunately, when they first came in, they wasn't allowed to compete in every uh, occupational field. Uh, they were restricted to how many could come in, and they were also restricted to what fields they could uh, wear the uniform in. Matter of fact, uh, to be able to go aboard Camp Lejeune, which Montford Point is in North Carolina, uh, you had to be escorted by a white Marine. Uh, so it was kind of a, a desolate opportunity. But what's really amazing, when, when they opened the doors to the 900 to 1,000 uh, Black Marines to join the Marine Corps, many of them came from other branches of the service. One of our most famous Marines, Hashmark Johnson, came. He first joined the United States Army. Then he joined what? the Navy. And then he decided he wanted to be in the real military. So he joined the Marine Corps. And uh, so he, he became uh, a legendary Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major Huff, who we all enlisted Marines uh, stand on his shoulders because he was the first enlisted, Black enlisted Marine to be promoted to the rank of E-9 Sergeant Major. And uh, he really carried that well. He performed. He was a great Sergeant Major. I was blessed to have met him and uh, to talk with him. So it was a racial situation, but it goes to show you, Jack, that no matter how it starts, is how vigilant and persistent one can be or a group of people can be to take it to another level, to achieve the things that others are getting or to enjoy the luxury of life that others are getting. In other words, just because things get rough, you don't give up and things don't look your way. You don't stop. And that's what the Black Marines did. And today we move on. I mean, you think back even with the Army, when the buildup of World War II, there was about a million African-Americans joined the uh, armed forces. 830 plus thousand of them joined the United States Army. So, you know, it's a, it's a great, great history to understand and, and realize. And today we get mixed up of thinking that uh, everything has been copacetic. Everything has gone just smooth as grass. It hasn't. It's been a very tough struggle, but the beautiful part is many of us never gave up and we're beginning to reap the benefits. Yeah. Hey, Vince, we got about 10 minutes left, so I'm going to run through a couple of questions, but I want the answer for what is the first, uh, what's the most uh, significant Black history event you experienced during your years in the service? I would say the, the the most significant Black history experience uh, that I've I've experienced in in the Coast Guard is uh, and and I took uh, my my buddy Al uh, down in the Outer Banks to show him that to tell you just how important this is, is that uh, uh, in 1898 uh, the U.S. Coast Guard, which at the time was known as the uh, U.S. Life Saving Service, along with the uh, U.S. Revenue Service, uh, had an all Black station down in the Outer Banks on P Island. Uh, this particular uh, station, first of all, which, which was uh, initially manned by all white crew, was one of the most treacherous stations that, uh, that there was in the uh, Oregon Inlet Cut, as it's called, which uh, uh, the ships would come in from the Atlantic Ocean going into uh, Manio, North Carolina. So as they crossed the bar to go in there, many of the ships would uh, would, would run aground, they break up and so forth. And uh, several hundred of the of the life-saving uh, crew would die as a result of that. The uh, the town of Manio said they wanted 
to keep that station operating. And so the government decided, well, this is a hard job and we're going to put uh, blacks there. The, the deliberate reason of doing that is that they couldn't get any white volunteers to be able to take over the station. So when uh, P Island Life Saving Station was manned by blacks, there was not a single uh, uh, victim or casualty. Now they had they had groundings, they had ships that uh, that broke up, they had people that they rescued and so forth. But uh, but but this all black crew. Uh, uh, actually created a whole different entire way of training, which many of those training uh, techniques are used today. And uh, every time I go down to the Outer Banks, I I've got to take a trip over to uh, P Island and, and look at the, the station building is still there and, and just reflect on the fact that uh, as we talk about uh, black history, you know, here is a piece of, of history, American history, that very few people know about. And that's so significant for me because I use that example as I talk to people uh, throughout my time in the Coast Guard to talk about uh, how the whole concept of understanding the Coast Guard's core values of honor, respect, and devotion to duty, it has no color. And the and the significance of what this particular station had done, and and like I said, even today, because like I said, many of the rescue techniques uh, that were created back in 1898 are still in use today as a result of of those nine uh, brave uh, uh, black coast guardsmen. Oh, wow! Hey, before we get into final thoughts, I'd like to <clears throat> I'd like to ask each one of your feelings about racial equality in this country especially uh, the outpouring of support for diversity and inclusion. What do you think about that? Well, it's kind of simple for me, Jack. Uh, it shouldn't be an outcry for diversity and inclusion if you call yourself a fair, honest, and, and religious person. You know, you, you can't pick and choose the people you want to uh, discriminate against on Monday through, uh, uh, through, through Saturday and then on Sunday you you go to church and say you love all God's creation. It, it's really, really uh, weird for me. But uh, I think the society has to be more honest about everything that we've gone through so we can be better prepared to get to the level we're expected to. Yeah. Vance, same question, bud. Well, for me, I, I would say that it's, it, it's about, as, as I started earlier, about imagination and innovation, is that uh, equity and inclusion is all about making sure that everybody, first of all, get the equal opportunity to be successful and doing the mm -hmm. things of what they can do. And it also means that uh, to continue to promote that imagination part is to look at every every young uh, uh, boy or girl, uh, regardless of what their race, color, or ethnic origin is and so forth, is and, and talk to them about how to shoot for the stars, how to focus on that. And what we don't do enough in this country today is encourage that among all of our people. The more we can do that, the better we are as far as our, our equal opportunity opportunities are. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I think we miss a lot. And, uh, and I thank you guys for, geez, for what you do. And I think, again, I said at the beginning, thank you for being my friend because um, you're, you're like a brother to me, both of you. I'm not going to give you no damn money, but I, <laughs> hey, uh, first of all, thanks for talking today. And we take a couple minutes. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to share, Vince? I'm going to start with you, buddy. Any final thoughts you have? Uh, 
Well, I want to thank you for the opportunity for uh, having Al and us, and, and, and I know you got a couple other guests that are coming on, but to take this time, this opportunity to really devote uh, uh, a portion of your of your program and, and focusing toward Black history. And the fact that Black history as a whole, and from the military perspective, uh, we've got a very rich, unique history of sorts that I think people need to get more involved into understanding that because in the end it benefits everybody and again i can't thank you enough for giving us that opportunity to talk about yeah, it i will god bless you you know and I, I you may not believe this hopefully you do i've never looked at color you know i just if i like you i like you if i don't like you i don't like you and and, and i like you guys so al same comment any final thoughts yeah jack I'll... don't say nothing bad about me now <laughs> well that, that's a task in itself but <laughs> in all seriousness in, in being serious here, at the highest level of leadership in the world, if they took more of your example of being an honest, straightforward person, you say what you mean and you mean what you say. Things that come out of Sergeant Major Jack Kelly's mouth is from his heart. He doesn't judge and he doesn't care where you came from. All he's concerned about is giving you a helping hand and a right direction. It doesn't matter about if we had more of you, it would be less of us having to say we're first because you would have us all under one one setting in to hatch out a whole flock. And, and that's why I, I have to say in all fairness, in all honesty, it, I, I'm always proud to be in your presence because what you don't know is what you asked about. And what you don't understand, you ask so that you can have a better understanding. You don't hold on to yesterday to be what it used to be and try to make it what you want to be. You try to make it what it should be. And for that, I applaud, salute, and admire all that you stand for, Jack. And you are the friend of, uh, that every everyone in America should have. Oh, golly. I make sure you guys tape this. I'm going to get that. I'll run that back to you. <laughs> Thanks, Al. I appreciate that. So, hey, uh, you, you guys, uh, uh, again, you mean a lot to me. And and uh, I think we should have more discussions like this. A lot of people ought to have these discussions and uh, to make this a better country. And, and we've all said it uh, during this session, we're all Americans, we all love each other and, and uh, we all need to help each other. Thanks to uh, Sergeant Major Marine Corps, retired Al McMichael and Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, retired Dr. Vince Patton for being with us today on this very special occasion. I'm Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and you've been listening or you've been watching live stream on your next mission podcast uh please stick around and listen to the next segment with sergeant major retired marshall williams and sergeant major retired todd hunter thank you for watching but please don't go anywhere we'll be right back you're watching a your next mission live stream proudly presented by the cavalry agency they help brands dominate no matter their size ideas Strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Learn more at Cavalry.com. Navy Federal Credit Union, the most trusted credit union owned by members of the military community, serving all branches of the armed forces and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Purdue Global, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults. Learn more about a personalized, innovative, and world-class education at purdueglobal.edu. Veterans United Home Loans, the number one VA lender for five straight years. If you're buying, 
They're funding your dreams. Learn more at VeteransUnited.com. Now back to your host, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Tilly. Welcome back. I'm Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, and your host, and, and you're watching a live stream of Your Next Mission podcast from the Cypher Studios in San Diego, California, celebrating Black History Month. Right? During this segment, I am thrilled to introduce some more great friends. Sergeant Major retired Marshall Williams, founder and chief executive officer of the West Point Resource and former acting assistant. I got to make sure I got all this down here for you, Will. Former <laughs> acting assistant secretary of the Army for Manpower and Reserve Affairs. He also was selected as the senior enlisted advisor to the 19th Secretary of Defense, the Honorable William J. Perry, which I did know, and uh, to 20th Secretary of Defense, uh, William S. Cohen, and Sergeant Major retired Todd Hunter, Executive Director of Office of Acquisition Operation at the Department of Veterans Affairs, and the former primary contact for the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Installation and Energy and Environment. Plus, both are SESs, uh, which stands for uh, it's equivalent to a general officer, I guess, in the military. I think uh, Will is uh, equivalent to a lieutenant general, and I'm not sure. I think Todd is lieutenant to uh, to a major general. But glad to have you both on the show. <laughs> hey, Jack, it's fantastic being here. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, look, so can I can I start where both uh, my good friends Al McMichael and um, Vince Patton left off? Well, thank let, let, you. Yo, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just want to thank you for doing this. I think it's that important, right? And that that praise you got about you being who you are, right? You know all of us. You've known us for hundreds of years, it seems like to me, right? No, I'm and not that old. Always, <laughs> yes, you are, yes, you are, Jack. And, and you, you, you have been this way from day one. And I, I just want to go ahead and acknowledge that because it needs to be known. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, uh, Will, we're having a little bit of problem with Todd, but that's okay. We'll just go ahead and start, see if we can get Todd in here with us. Before we get started, uh, I'd love the, uh, to tell the audience just a little bit about yourself. So, Jack, you know that I, uh, you know way too much about all four of us, uh, but I'm going to try to And I'm to not going to tell anybody else, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to try to tell you a little bit about something that I don't think you know about, right? And that's me coming into the Army. So, first and foremost, I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and I'm an Army brat that comes from a long line of those serving in the United States Army. Uh, in fact, if you trace my family tree back, you can go all the way back to the late 1700s and you'll find somebody in my family in the United States Army. I got my wife of 33 years as a retired Army. Uh, we have one son, a West Point graduate. He's currently a company commander in the famed 82nd Airborne Division. Cool. Now, I graduated a year early from high school, so I joined the Army at the age of 17, like many folks. And of course, when you join at that age, a parent has a sign for you. My mother had to sign for me because my father died in Vietnam. Oh, I'm sorry. Two people came to take me to the map station. I remember this vividly, a staff sergeant and a sergeant first class, right? And so my mom, before she signed, she said, look, I want you to promise me three things. And of course, I said, yes, ma'am, because I kind of really wanted her to sign. I signed up the day after graduation to come into the Army. 
I wanted to go so bad. The first thing she asked me to, uh, to promise her is that I would get my education as I had turned down a number of scholarships uh, just so I could join the army. And she said, hey, look, a lot of folks had fought and died uh, for us to even have the right to be able to go to college. And here you are turning things down like you're somebody. Get your education, to which I said, yes, ma'am. Her second thing, her second thing was she asked the sergeant first class and staff sergeant that had come to get me um, if I could be a general officer. Now, I got to tell you, Jack, these two individuals looked at this scrawny little kid who had just graduated high school, and they said, ma'am, you know what, probably not, but guess what, if he works hard, he can be the next best thing. He can be a sergeant major. Absolutely. So my mom told me, hey, look, you got to promise me to be this sergeant major thing, right? She had no idea what it was, but she knew it was important because those two said it was. Lastly, lastly, Jack, she drew me close to her. And she said, I want you to promise, promise me this. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, to never come back home. You know, kind of startled me. She said, look, if joining the army is so important to you, don't let any man, any circumstance, any situation keep you from, from achieving your dreams. Because there's nothing here in Washington, D.C. for you but grief. So, Jack, you know what I did? I listened. So my last job, as you mentioned, was uh, <laughs> my last job in the Army was as the senior enlisted advisor to the 19th and 20th Secretary of Defense. Yeah, great guys, too. I enjoyed both of them. In fact, I, uh, I remember seeing uh, Secretary Perry over in uh, when I was at 1st Army Division when we get ready to go into uh, Bosnia. And then, uh, of course, Secretary Cohen. I think we took a trip with him one time uh, into Iraq took, or Bosnia or whatever. Yeah you, yeah, you took a couple of trips. In fact, the, the trip that really mattered that you took with him was with 10th Mountain Division. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a story behind that, but that allowed me to get you guys on all those trips. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm going to add something here, what you said. It's, it's really funny. You know, I, I uh, came in the service at 17 years old, too. And it was sort of a funny story. I don't know if you ever heard the story, but I, I wasn't a good kid when I was small. I spent a little time in reform school and I got out. But but I started school when I was four years old. And the reason why is because I'd follow my brother to school. And every day he'd leave and I'd get out of the house somehow and I'd just sort of follow him going to school. And finally they said, geez, we're going to come to school every day. Let's just put him in kindergarten. So they put me in kindergarten. So, I, you know, I graduated on the 17th. One last story real quick. When I graduated, you know, I had no direction in life, sort of maybe like your mom said to you. I had no direction in life. So I remember I was sitting on the Columbia River and I was drinking a beer and somebody says, Jack, what are you going to what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I have no idea. And he says, are you going to go to college? And I said, guys like me, low self-esteem, nothing's going right. Guys like me don't go to college. And uh, the next guy said, uh, you want to join the military? And I said, sure. I had no idea. I, I didn't even know they was fighting a war. I went basic AIT, jump school, and straight to war. So anyway, it's funny how it's funny how life uh, sort of throws you some curves sometimes. But yes. if you if you if you straighten them out or you know how to, to grab the ball and keep moving forward, I think the, the key to success in life is keep moving forward. Just don't give up, right? Yeah, I mean, I Jack, that's up. a classic story. You yeah. just don't give up. Well, the other thing is, is just, and we'll get into some questions I want to ask you here, Will, but. It's, a, it's the same thing in my life. I, I mean, it, I think too many people accept no as the answer. And, and I think the other thing is that, uh, you know, no matter who you are, we're talking about Black history, but no matter who you are, if you accept no, don't accept no. 
do the best you can in everything you can and treat everybody the same. And, and I just don't, and I'm glad you said that at the beginning. I've always treated people the same because I've always said there's a lot of people as good as I am, but there is nobody better, you know, but I, so I treat everybody the same. So yeah, that's it. Will, we have, a, Will, you've had a quite a variety of career here, or a varied career in the army. And after your retirement, I'm sure uh, Black History Month has a special meaning to you. Can you tell the audience uh, a little bit about uh, Black History Month and, and really what it means to you? Or really yeah. how it shaped you, I guess, too. Well, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I absolutely believe, Jack, that knowing one's past opens doors to the future. If you don't know your past, you will never know your future. So as such, um, you can tell a great deal by a country and by people by what it deems important enough to remember. So it's difficult to measure the many ways that past contributions and pathways laid by African-Americans before me has made my life easier. Um, it's why Black History Month is so important to me and many others as well. I mean, it's not just me. Look, once a year, it provides an opportunity to reclaim, rewrite our individual narratives, right? I mean, history yeah. has always been recorded and recited by whomever was the majority. Now, let me be real clear on this, Jack. That's neither right nor wrong. It just is what it is. Yet mm -hmm. for one month of the year, the nation focuses on the opportunities um, and gets a chance to reflect on the contributions as well as the challenges. And I think that's important as well that we've had throughout history. Black History Month is a time, uh, obviously, to be more inclusive, to seek and understand what is not actually recorded in history and highlight the greatness of our country. That's what people have to remember as far as I'm concerned. We are a rich country made up of all sorts of heritages. Now, it's also time to ask though, Jack, what if, right? What if history were so inclusive of the contributions of all people every month, right? Because if so, yeah. there would be no need for Black History Month or you know, Asian Pacific Month, there would be no need for it, right? So that's what I would ask. We, we have to understand our history, even, and I'm gonna emphasize this, even the painful parts, because that's where the growth and healing begins. And thus, I gotta tell you, Jack, that's how my life has been shaped as a result. You know, the, the, you know I never, uh, God, it's, it's so weird to me because, you know, we're talking about Black History Month, but it's, it's, I've never looked at people in that way. You know what I mean? I remember when I grew up in the West Coast, there was a guy named, uh, Herman Bain or Herschel, uh, Herman Bain, I can't remember his big brother's name, but there was two you know, black guys that went to school with me. I, I didn't think nothing of them. I mean, they was, I talked to them, they talked to me, we just sort of went along. So I treated everybody the same. And that's why I really, to be honest with you now, I never, I never even sent any kind of prejudice or any kind of racial tension or anything until uh until I came into the military and I'm surprised about that because I never did that so it was it was hard for me to understand and and, and it's really hard because I, I don't do it and I, and I think other people why would they do that it just I don't know it's just it's mind-boggling me I just I can't figure out I can't figure out why somebody would would sort of want to stir the pot up if you know what I mean mm -hmm. and, and make everybody angry at each other so, uh, so Jack I, I would mean, have I, to I, ask I enjoy, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I'd have to ask, you know, about your parents. I, I don't really know very much about your parents, but I absolutely believe what you're saying. But, <laughs> you know, you're the exception as opposed to the rule. 
you, you are. And so my question to you would be, how did how did you get to go through so much of life before you got into the military without being prejudiced? Well, you know, I, you know, I tell you the truth. My my dad, I love my dad. Uh, he went in kindergarten, come out the back door, uh, worked at Alcoa. My mom was a housewife, uh, and I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, I I just I don't know. I mean, maybe because my dad, mom treat everybody the same. Everybody lived around there. Everybody who lived where we live was all. We we did. I don't know. We never talked about stuff like that. We never. Yeah. They never tried to say it. Now I'll tell you. My dad came from North Carolina, and at that particular time in his life, there was a lot of you know a lot of problems in the in the South and stuff like that. And and uh, and I'm sure he had some too, but maybe he just never said anything about it. But I tell you the truth, I don't know. I, I don't. It's almost like when I went into the military, and this is sort of a not a funny story, but. But I, I always, again, I treat everybody the same. But when I got to be a battalion sergeant major, I uh, I remember one time somebody said, uh, you're going to have a color guard. And I says, well, we're going to have a color guard. And, and they put them all in there. They all happen to be white guys. You know, like, okay, so. And I said, hey, wait a minute now. We need to make sure. And it's the truth. You know, I said, we need to make sure that this formation represents us. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so. You know, nobody told me to do that. I just did it. And then when I got to be a division sergeant major, same thing, but I wanted a female in there. So it was all, it, it all, you know, I said, hey, it's got to represent us, not just me, you know? So again, I, maybe I'm just exceptionally smart. And I don't know. it. I don't know, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's, it's really funny that, uh, that, that happened. I don't, again, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe there's one other thing. And, uh, uh, it, the uh, maybe there's one other thing too is is I went to Vietnam and I went I was a drill sergeant at uh, at, uh, at Fort Benning and there was a good guy uh, El Alfonso Valentine was his name great guy black guy but he was my friend and I used to go out drinking with him I'd go over to his house and eat food I mean I love the guy and uh, I don't know I, you know that's a good question I just don't know hey uh, Todd I guess Todd's on the phone with us uh, Todd Hunter. Uh, I guess you're there. there. I can see you now, Todd. How you doing? <laughs> you're looking good, Todd. Can you hear us? Oh, you can't hear us. Okay. All right. I guess Todd can't hear us. <laughs> hey, let me let me ask you another question while they're trying to help Todd out there a little bit. Have you had mentors? Is there a lot of mentors that you had uh, throughout your military career? You know, first, what a great question. Um, I don't think. Well, I guess the question is: you, you, I, I listened to General Powell talk one time. He talked about uh, talked about a lot of stuff. He had mentors. There was black mentors, white mentors, whatever. I guess that's the question: is did you have the same thing? Absolutely. Um, and, and in fact, uh, you know, uh, Richard Kidd was one of my mentors, right? For oh, great major, guy. Right. Um, so uh, I don't think you can make it to the highest ranks of anything without having. A huge cadre of diverse mentors, those you look up to, those who are willing to reach down and give you those gems of information. Um, I know that's what I've always tried to do. Uh, and so, yeah, I've, I've absolutely had that. But I guarantee you that the two gentlemen that you had before this segment would tell you the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's really funny that. Uh... I've had a bunch of mentors and, and they was, you know, uh, people of color and whatever. I mean, but I always look for whoever they had the best qualifications, yeah. I mean, you know, go figure. I mean, who could, uh, uh, who could not, not make me better, but maybe it is make me better. 
but I wanted <laughs> to find somebody that that could uh, point me in the right direction. And the other thing I tell you, I, I thought I did pretty good is I'm a people watcher. Uh, I'd watch people and their actions. And, and uh, sometimes it's, it's not what they say, it's what they do. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so I'd watch people and, and I'd see, uh, like Sergeant Major Kidd, Richard Kidd, you was talking about, I watched it. I got to tell you a great story about him. He was a Sergeant Major of the Army. We're at, uh, we're at, uh, at Grafenwehr, Germany. And we gave him a tour of Graf. He sent it to our meeting and all this stuff. He had those old Volkswagen uh, vans getting ready to leave. And and so he, he, you know, I started major, you know, I'm a big deal. I'm a division sergeant major, you know, I'm going to keep right. my job. And so he got in the van and said, Sergeant Major, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming and all that stuff. I said, go ahead and move out. And the van wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> and I about died laughing. So so after that, uh, he got, uh, we, we got out and I said, all the sergeant major right there, I said, get behind this van, let's start pushing. Uh, and uh, we all started pushing. And I looked to the right and he's pushing with me. Uh, yeah, there you go. And, and I thought to myself, what a, what a great guy, uh, what a great role model. And, uh, and I just really, uh, appreciate it. And we're talking with, uh, we're talking with retired, uh, Sergeant Major, uh, Marshall Williams and, uh, Sergeant Major retired Todd Hunter. If we can ever get him on the phone here and you're watching, uh, your next mission podcast live with me, your host, Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. I always love saying that. I always <laughs> wish they'd put me back in the Army. <laughs> If you'd like to reach out to me or call me or text me at 844-424-1134 or send me an email at smatilly at yournextmission.org. You know, this is your program. It's not mine. I, I'm lucky enough to be the host and I want to talk to you and, and do all the things we can do, but I want to make it better for you. Or you can leave me a comment in your social media channels or you can, that you're watching right now and, and I'll get back to you. Uh, you know, that may be a surprise, but I'll actually contact you back. Also, if you're enjoying this live broadcast on YouTube, please like us and hit the subscribe button below. I guess it's below somewhere down there. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I'm going to give you something. For the next 20 subscribers, we have a special Your Next Mission t-shirt. Uh, so maze, make a comment, say whatever you want to say, and uh, you know I'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's pick it up where we left off. Uh, hopefully, Todd gets on here, but... Uh, in fact, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, Marshall, in your experience, uh, Todd, can you hear us now? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, good. I'm glad you got back. I'm, you're going to be here for the last part of the show, so you're good to go. Um, but I'm just going to start out. We got Todd Hunter on the show. I've already introduced you. Now you're here. Uh, Todd, in your experience, how does Black History Month uh, tie in with the military? You know, Black hey, History Month with the military. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, look, before I answer that question, let me apologize. See, this is what happened when you have a senior executive sitting at home with no IT support. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I was on the first call. I heard both Sergeant Major. I heard the whole thing. And for some reason, once it was my turn, I just got gun shy and just said, you know what? I cannot have, I cannot work without an executive assistant here. Uh, you got, just don't turn your head. We can't hear you now. Keep your head straight. So you keep the point. All right, go ahead, Todd. Tell okay. us, now. answer the question. So, so uh, first of all, sorry, Major, how does it tie in to military? Uh, you know, first and foremost, American history, Army history, and Black history. It's all the same. Um, you can't tell one story without telling the, telling the rest of the story. Um, I've been very profound uh, to be able to serve in this military for the last four decades in some form or fashion, whether it's been active duty, Department of Veteran Affairs, or at the VA. 
And I tell you, Black History Month ties into that year round. Uh, we celebrate, we educate, we mentor, we coach during the month of February, but it is it is so much a part of who we are each and every um, day and month of the year. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was telling uh, I was telling Will there a few minutes ago that, uh, you know, I, I, we're all Americans. Uh, we all, you know, we all live together. We all fight together. The other thing I told Al and Will, I mean, I, I know when I was over in any kind of bad zone, I never looked to the right or looked to the left, see what color the guy was on my right or left. I don't, I don't give a shit. I just wanted him to be with me and do his job. And uh, so that's, that's important. Uh, Todd, I'm going to ask you one more question. What, what mentors have you had uh, through your military career? I mean, do you have a variety of mentors? Have they been? Uh, go ahead. Yes, sir, Mitch, I have many mentors uh, throughout my career, to include you, to be honest. Ah, there you go. I was looking for that one. <laughs> I see you waving your hand. <laughs> Since I've been late, I just go ahead and throw it out there front. Okay, all right. Uh, you know, sorry, Major, I, I would tell you that I have so many different mentors, and the show is not long enough to talk about each and every one of them, but I want to talk about one in particular. Uh, my very first squad leader in the Army. Uh, you know, when you first leave home, a guy named Staff Sergeant Frankie Davis. He, he taught me more about the Army than any other person that I know. Um, he yeah. pulled me in, in on his wings back in the early 80s, and we're still best friends as of today. Um, as I got promoted to uh, Master Sergeant Sergeant Major and Senior Executive, he was the first person to call me and told me how proud he was because he felt, he said, I felt like I just got promoted uh, because he taught us everything that he actually knew over the years and the decade, and ju just one of the best Americans um, that I've, I've ever had as a mentor. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I shouldn't ask this question, but I will. Was, was he was he black or he's white or did it matter? He's black. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, you're white and you're my mentor also. <laughs> well, that's, my point is, my point is, is uh, you know, being in the army or being in the military, uh, you know, I I don't think we, you know, I I think you can just look at us right here. We got along pretty doggone good. And we didn't have no issues. If we did, we'd ask what the issue was. And we talk about the problems. And, and you're always going to have that uh, 2% or 1%, whatever the hell it is, that are just off kilter from everybody else. And that, that always bothered me a little bit in the Army. But they're there. They're there in society. So, yeah, whatever. Hey, hey Jack, Will, I, the, Jack, go ahead. Wait, let, me, let me follow up on that, uh, that thread just a little bit. I, I would just say I absolutely agree with you. But representation does matter. Mm -hmm. Right. Looking up on a board and seeing somebody, one person look like yeah. you may make yeah, me stay point. in just a little bit longer. So yeah, it, yeah. it does matter. Now, you know, it's, it's really funny. Not funny, but uh, well, it is funny because I sit on a board about why uh, uh, for the uh, for Congress here a few years back. And they want to know why uh, females and minorities were not promoted at the same rate as uh as a whites. And so I said, Oh, wow, that's great. So I sat on this board. First of all, there's only two NCOs on the board, uh, me and a Sergeant first class. And, uh, they start, they, and when we got in, they only talked about officers. And I said, wait a minute, I thought we we're going to talk about NCOs. Yeah. Uh, and they had to go back to Congress and get approval to do that. So, so anyway, the bottom line is when it, when it laid all out, uh, the NCO Corps was doing pretty good. The promotion rate, people promoted it, you know, at, at the way they should be promoted. There wasn't, there really wasn't a problem. And this was, this was years ago now, and I'm sure it's a lot better now. But, uh, but minorities in the in the general officers rank were not promoted at the same rate for somebody else. A lot of, and they said, really said that in some cases it depended on what your background was, whether or not your combat arms or not. So, I, I think we've went a long ways. We're doing a lot better, but we, you know, we always can improve in everything we're doing. 
Hey, Will, what is the most significant Black history event you experienced uh, during your years in the service? <laughs> okay. Uh, Was that one of you guest speaker? <laughs> no, I'm just sitting here thinking, right? You know, you know, picking the most significant event in, in one's career is like picking your favorite kid, right? Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. Look, so notwithstanding the two fine gentlemen that you just had on, right? The Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, Vince Patton, and the um, Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, Aaron McMichaels, who are, who are dear friends. I, I would say for me, uh, that significance came with the promotion of General Roscoe Robinson, Jr., who was the first black four-star general in the United States Army. Like, I remember this right here was such a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. General Robinson graduated from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. I think he had a degree in military engineering, as I remember. And I know he graduated in, in 51. He earned a master's degree from uh, the University of Pittsburgh. I said I was going to remember all of this right here. He got that in 64. Um, he served both, and I think this is so impressive. He served both in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. In 76, he became the first African-American to command the 82nd Airborne Division. Um, he retired in 85 after 34 years in the Army. Um, he passed away in 93 and is buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Um, that was so significant to me because I knew we could do it. And I always knew someone who looked like me could do it, but this was the first one. So yeah, you don't wanna be the first one, but it is significant whether it's significant to you, it's certainly, or not, it's certainly significant to those of us who are looking up, aspiring to be that. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, Alan Vince both said, uh, that they was both the first Sergeant Major Marine Corps and the first Master Chief Petty Officer Coast Guard. Uh, but they said, hey, look, it's, it's a job. You know, why do yeah. I have to be the, you know, it's just, it's just another day. And, and I also asked him, uh, did people treat him any differently uh, because they got uh, in that position? I guess the same question to you guys, when you got selected as Sergeant Majors, both of you, when you got selected as Sergeant Majors, did, pe did people treat you any differently or did they treat you fairly? Well, I didn't see a lot of difference, but there is a level of respect once you make Sergeant Major. And it's all, and Will just said it a moment ago, it's very important for the young generation to see someone like Will and I up on that leader's board. Uh, because so often throughout the military, I mean, just, even in your position, Sergeant Major, we remember the first. Um, and as we become, you know, make it up to Sergeant Major, Brigade, Division Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major of the Army Corps, whatever it may be, Senior Executive, it's important for that, that generation behind us to see that. So, yeah, it is important. It's a little bit more respect. It is also when you're reaching back to those younger individuals who are trying to make that bridge, whether I'm going to stay in or whether I'm going to get out. And it seems like when you go back and talk to them and you can relate to them and they listen to you. So from that standpoint, yeah, they treat it a little differently. And I was, I'm always very proud of that because being able to reach back and help those individuals and know, I mean, you know me, I, I have been doing so much nonprofit over the years, but just be able to give back and lay the payway for those individuals to come forward. Yeah. 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 Do, do you mentor anybody, Todd? You got a couple of people you mentor or help? We probably got more uh, than a couple. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. Well, sorry, and I didn't get to do my introduction up front, but you know, I, I've said on so many different nonprofits, to include set on your nonprofit at one time. So um, I could go, you know, several different groups that I kind of reached back to, like um, 
just became a part of, of trying to become in the process the hundred black men of America. Their goal yeah. is you would be what they see. And those individuals are just in the neighborhoods, trying to teach, educate, giving them an opportunity to do things they would not have had if it wasn't someone like myself kind of reaching back and helping those individuals. Yeah, yeah. real quick, and I want Marsha, in fact, Marsha, you want to say anything real quick? And then I got something. No, I mean, I'm, it's, it, I, would, I would be saying very similar to what Todd just uh, informed you of. Yeah, yeah. Well, the one thing I wanted to say is, is uh, again, I, I, me and Al and Vince talked about it. You know, everybody starts at a different spot in life. You know, it doesn't matter what color you are. You just start. This is where you start. You know, my uh, my I told you a minute ago, my dad went in kindergarten, went out the back door. Uh, but where I live when I was a kid, my mother and father were divorced. I lived in a uh, duplex with their mom. It was my mom, my sister and me in one bedroom, one front room, one kitchen, one laundry room. Well, guess where I lived? I lived in that laundry room. I lived in that laundry room for two and a half years, just big enough to put a bed in. I had three shelves. I don't know if you heard the story. I had three shelves. I put my clothes on a little vent I looked out. Now, the reason I say that is because you shouldn't let things stop you. Now, you're going to run. Everybody, you, me, and everybody else runs into hurdles in life. Uh, just jump over them or go around them, crawl under them. I don't care how you get around, but get around them. Don't accept no and just keep moving forward. You know, the other thing is th there's always people that are going to talk about you. You know, that's just a society, I guess. I used to tell people, you, I don't care what people talk about me about, uh, as long as they don't touch me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't want, you know, they can say whatever they want. As long as they don't there touch you go. me, I'm okay. But, but I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to get it done. And, uh, and you're not going to stop me. I told somebody one day, if I wanted to be the president of the United States, I could do that. But I just don't want to be. You know, I can do anything I want to do. That's a free country. Do what you want to do. Enjoy life. Don't dwell on the negative. Dwell Amen. on the positive. Find the good things in life and keep pushing. I, I think sometimes we have a tendency to, to worry about things we can't even change a, a bit. And it's it's crazy. And I, and I don't want to, I probably don't want to dwell on that. And hopefully that's not negative. But But things that I can affect. You know, when I was a, I was a, a platoon sergeant. I can change the people above me and below me. That's what I want. Since you didn't. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's all right. You're here now. That's all that counts. Uh, before we give you your final thoughts, as I did with uh, Sergeant Major McMichael and, and uh, Master Chief Petty Officer Vince Patton, I'd like, each, I'd like to ask each of you to... Uh, just tell me about your feelings about racial equality in the country, especially when the, the outpouring of support for uh, diversity and inclusion. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, I'll start with this right here, Todd, if you don't mind. You know, I was I was in office uh, as the acting assistant secretary of the Army for Manpower and Reserve Affairs. So obviously this was huge for the United States Army. Um, I can tell you that um, it's my belief that the world changed a little on May 25th, 2020, after learning the death of George Floyd. Now, practically every facet of my life, politics, sports, arts, culture, business, I don't know, you name it, man, <laughs> it all changed. Um, and this, this was an uh, inflection moment for the entire world, I think. At least mm -hmm. I hope it was. I'm not sure now since it's been a couple of years since that time, right? But that video of the death brought back a lot of traumas uh, for black people. Uh, and it yeah. served as a true stark reminder of our history 
uh, and the consistency, I believe that um, if, if you never thought there was pervasive racism, unfortunately, that particular incident showed you that. For me, it also bought some renewed hope, right? Getting, to, getting back to what you, you were talking about, because I recall seeing streets around the entire world, not just here in America, but the entire world fill up with protesters. But much to my surprise, these protesters didn't look like me. They were from like all racial backgrounds. Yeah. In the 60s, they mostly looked like me. There were others, but they mostly looked like me. This was full of everyone, right? And what I really loved about it was that the majority were young people who refused to live in a world of hate. Come on, that's, that's everything, right? So my feelings about racial equality and, and, and sort of all of that is that, hey, look, America remains the best country in the world. And if nobody heard me, let me say this shit one more time. America remains the best country in the world. Pound for pound, it can't be touched but we can treat each other a little bit better and we need to continuously work towards that. Yeah. Todd, any, any thoughts about that? Yeah. I think Marsha hit the, the, the nail on the head, but one of the things I would like to say is um, when you say about the outpouring of support, why in 2021 or 22 are we having that outpouring support? Um, Seems like when an incident that Marsha just talked about comes up, everyone rally around it. This should happen in America each and every day. We should not have a, a, a national incident like this that an individual had to die in order for the world to understand everyone is created equal. And as we go through, it's very hard for some people to understand unless they walk in our shoes. And you've heard me tell the story. I was born in the early 60s and south of the Mason-Dixon line in, in Henderson, North Carolina. The platform was not level for everyone. My grandfather and all his ancestors, as they farmed in the, in the, out in the crops in, in North Carolina, did not get the same amount of treatment or the value for their crops as others did. Did the exact same amount of work. Fast forward 2021, 20, 2022, even today, seems like, and my grandfather said this, I, he said, sometimes we have to work twice as hard and expect half the credit. My grandfather yeah. really meant that when he told me that. And it resonates with me so often, even today, that why do we have to ask for that outpouring support? That support needs to be there each and every day throughout yeah. our, our, our lifespan. Yeah, I, I just, it's, it's crazy. Again, it's crazy for me. I think everything should be equal. Uh, you know, I used to, again, I, I don't know, because I don't look at it and I don't see it. Uh, one, one thing, I, I think, I've said this to a lot of people, 80% of our people in our country want to just get along, right? It's sometimes a 10% at the top and 10% at the bottom. So there's there's 20% that just want to keep things moving and causing problems and all this stuff. But I think the majority of people are good people. We're all Americans. We all live next to each other and and enjoy each other and, and have fun with each other. But you always have, I, I don't, sometimes I can't figure out why, you always have a certain amount of people that just want to just want to cause problems and it just, it, it's overwhelming. Now going back to police, there's some questions, George Floyd, they, they absolutely did wrong. I think one of the things I wish would have happened is they talk about, first of all, I don't want them to defund the police. I want them more police, but I think what they got to do is have a better education program for people, how to, to, uh, to deal with, you know, issues and stuff like that. There needs a better education system out there. I'm not sure we have the right answer to that, but I think the, 
I, I mean, I've seen so many instances in the army where uh, soldiers could have killed other other countries, soldiers in a matter of seconds, but they made the right decision. So I, I think that decision-making process, there's something screwed up somewhere. I don't know how they're ever going to fix it, but uh, here's, here's one more question. I, I think now, and I could be wrong. I think we're still moving forward in the right direction. I think we, we're going to have hiccups in life. That's just a part of life. You think we're still moving in the right direction? Will? Yeah, I absolutely think we're still moving in the right direction. Right. And you know, though the pace of change is always slow, it seems, um, change nonetheless. Now that word change, change always comes from the young, right? And if, if anything that those protests I just mentioned, if, it, if there's anything that, that it tells me is that um, the young is ready to see another change uh, sort of in our societies, not just in America, because we concentrate sometimes too much on our own selves, but the world as a whole, because these issues that we have are the same issues that the rest of the world suffers as well. Yeah. When you say change, what kind of change are you talking about? Well, I think the first change is just give a damn about each other, just a little bit. You know, you, you talk about that top 20, that bottom 20, I asked the question. 10, only 10. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so top 10, <laughs> bottom 10. So maybe I'm cat five, I can't count, but look, this <laughs> is, um, but when, when, you, when you put it all together, it's that group in the middle. You said something very early that I, I really resonated with. It's like, maybe you should be telling this story. I should, right? absolutely. Yeah, be, yeah. Because one, you have the platform, two, you have um, people believe you because you've never given them a reason to do anything else. It comes across a little bit different when I'm telling the same story all the time, right? Yeah. It sounds like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, pad my own bed kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, how, um, I, I gotta tell you, I really do believe um, when we, we start treating, you know, Russians better than we treat <laughs> Americans, um, that's an issue. That's something that we need to figure out why that's why that's happening. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's got to happen. I think uh, I don't want to get into politics here, but I think we need uh, people that that work in politics that to, to have. I think people that have been in the military should should go into <laughs> politics and do a little because they they got the understanding. They've been around and all that stuff. Todd, you want to add anything to what Marshall just said? Oh yeah. Well, I, as far as change, I think we're talking about. Yes, I mean. I, I've seen a lot of change, and I think um, I think we are going in the right direction, Sergeant Major. Uh, but you know, I wish we could go a little bit quicker than what we're going. I mean, yeah. I I used the example of my grandfather just uh, not long ago, but um, you know, to have some of these issues still today, um, it's not what we really expect. Now, I I tell you, I I love the assertion, aggressiveness that we are putting into diversity and inclusion. And I, I love the Black History Month, how the military wraps their arm around it and really allows us to celebrate, to educate. And I heard you tell the story uh, about the young lady with the hair. hair yeah, on. yeah. You did not really understand it. So that's why Black, black History is just so important, to, to let people reach out and understand what we are, where we came from, where we would like to go, and how to get there. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing, too, I, I think it's important to learn about each other. You know, yes. just can't be one sided. You know, this is mm -hmm. important. I think you learn about me. I learn about you. I mean, that's uh, you think we backed up any 
as far as uh, relationships and, and uh, I don't think, I don't I'm not gonna say we back up every now and then we hit a speed bump but when you say yeah. we, you know learn about you and you learn about us look at most of our history books there are so many prominent black people that's missing out of our history books mm-hmm. um, I the, right here over my left shoulder is an individual I, I look at his his photo every day is Henry O. Flipper the first black graduate from West Point I believe it was in 1886 don't quote me on the year but you know, I had the fortunate when I was in honor guard sergeant major, uh, uh, having his body exhumed from um, a town down in Georgia, in Georgia, and brought to the Arlington National Cemetery. And and we all know the history that you know he, they said that he had embezzlement that which was not true, but by it was overturned a year later. And I had just so much pride and honor of watching everyone out there that day, see how much progression we had made, but yeah. yet not be satisfied. Of the progression that we need to make. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. point. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a quick story. I got I love you know I love stories. I was at Fort Benning. I went to uh I went I went to another state, okay. And when I went to a club, uh the guy that was with me uh was it was a African American soldier and we went in there and I went in there, they wouldn't let him in. And I said, What? This is back and I said, wait, I said that's uh that's uh that's baloney. And uh, so I told the guy, I said, kiss my ass. He said, what? I said, I shouldn't say that again. I said, I'm not going in there. And uh, we all left. Uh, you know, you just got to, I don't know, just treat people equal. I, I just, it's, it's, it's mind boggling me. I, I uh, we live in the best country in the world. We're all Americans. Uh, we're all going to get the job done. But, but you got to make sure that you help the people above you and you help the people below you. You know, you help both sides. You got to help all of them. Hey, uh, first of all, let me start out real quick by saying I, I've enjoyed talking to you too, and and uh, I've enjoyed. I think we, I don't know if we've helped you. I hope we have, because it's important for us to to do all we can to uh, to educate this country, and to do all we can to make this a better place. And and for this last hour and a half, I think we've did our part, but we got to keep working on it. We got to keep making it better and better each and every day. Uh, did he, any of you uh, have any final thoughts that you want to share with the audience? Anything that you want to, you know, anything maybe you missed? Todd, you missed a whole lot. Maybe you want to start off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before, before I lose my IT support again. <laughs> First and foremost, uh, thank you for hosting this. This is very important for us. I've been knowing you for a long time. Ever, ever since when I first pinned on, before I pinned on Sergeant Major, I worked very closely with you and I, I understand who you are and what you're about. And here in a couple of weeks, I think I'm going to see you down in Florida to take some more of that money that you're making. I'm ready. Uh, I just want to say thank you for providing this. so many who understand the importance of Black History. Reach out and give us this platform. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Will, any final thoughts? Anything you want to add to that? So I think Todd was serious about losing his IT support and everything, right? <laughs> you, need, you need to pay those folks more money. We have to help him out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the iPhone as we speak right now. <laughs> so, so Jack, I got a couple of things I, I just want to say real quick. First, no, yes, um, I go ahead. I, I, I think, I think the best thing that we can always do, all of us, is educate children. Um, one of the things that's coming up for me, one of the groups that I. I am and with is Bayer, the Black Engineer of the Year Award, which is in Washington, D.C. next week. And I am um, reaching out to provide kids um, with professional coaching uh, because I think um, beyond the mentoring, they actually need coaching. And, and so um, 
start with our kids because your parents, irrespective of your father going out the back door, he taught you well. He taught you to respect all people. In my mind, Jack, in every culture, right, the creation of stories has always emerged and in each instance um, have helped us to define not just who we are as a people, but where we come from, plus how we got there. And our American creation story is based on freedom, equity, and the pursuit of happiness. We all know that. The story, like most creation, uh, creation stories, is part of a um, true part of our history. The problem is, it's part true and part myth, right? So, so importantly, I want to say this. Black history is American history, and therefore, like all history, Jack, it should be celebrated every day. I want to thank you. I definitely want to thank your audience. Hey, thank you so much. Well said. Thanks to uh, Sergeant Major Retired Marshall Will Williams and Sergeant Major Retired Todd Hunter for being with us today on this special occasion. And uh, I'm Jack Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, and I've been and you've been watching live stream uh, your next mission podcast. Uh, that's uh, about it for today's show. And today I want to thank all of our guests for being on this special podcast with me today, celebrating Black History Month. So. Uh, so appreciate their uh, their time. I, I so much appreciate the time, and I, I know you. Uh, I know all of them had a great time. Uh, you know, I, I want to leave you with three or four things here, real quick. One is that uh, it's important for us to educate everybody about each other. Uh, it's about America. It's about the Black History Month, Asian History Month. It's about each of us. Learn about each other. Uh, it's important. To understand the the likes and dislikes and and uh, you know again I've said it a whole bunch today is about we're all Americans we all live together we all fight together if we have to fight we'll all you know hopefully not die together if we have to die but it's about uh, taking care of each other the other thing this year we had uh, three things that we wanted to focus on uh, in your next mission one is is mental illness. You know, I've told you a couple of times, if you've been listening, that I've had a couple of friends that uh, that uh, have committed suicide here in the last year or so. Uh, you know, if you have a veteran, a friend, uh, somebody they hadn't talked to in a while, reach out to them. See how they're doing. Let's help each other out. We're a small community. We think we're large, but we need to help each other out. The second thing is, you know, you see, I got my hat on. I'm an Army guy, uh, but I'm wearing my hat. I love the Army. I love all services, but uh, I served in the Army. So where each Friday, I'd like to see you wear your hat, uh, put your hat on. And the last thing is I'm going to ask you is that, uh, you know, uh, we was taught a whole bunch in the military. And we was taught about leading and setting the example and, and helping people. Do that in your community. Do the same thing. Lead by example. Help kids. Help people around you. You know, help anybody you can to make this a better place. Just don't sit in your house and not do nothing. Uh, let's make America what it is today, the best country in the world. And I just want to, again, thank all of us today for, for being on the show. Before we go, I want to thank our four presenting sponsors, uh, Calvert Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University of Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. Thanks for watching. See you on the high ground. Hua! You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org.